everybody, and welcome to the show. This is the Game Bites Podcast, your favorite video game podcast for July the 26th. My name is LeGrand Jolly, your host, and I am joined with Jeremy Lamont and Dale Jones. Hello. This is my favorite podcast about video games, you guys. Yes, hello, how are you? Awesome. Well, here we are, and uh, if you're listening for the first time, which you very may well be, we are talking about news and video games today. Uh, middle of the week, we also record a show and we talk about video games that we've been playing, so make sure you tune into both of them, because they are great. But today we're going to talk about news, news, and we're going to send it to Jeremy to do just that. Jeremy. Excellent. Well, while my news is still loading up, I am... Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> you, you better not say I'm that. I'm still working on it. Actually, I'm going to throw it to Dale for the first part of the news here. Dale, what's okay. going on this week? Uh, so, uh, we have Summer Games Done Quick starts. That is the now, I guess, yearly um, annual event wherein a bunch of live streamers um, speedrun a bunch of different games for Happens charity. every summer. Right? Is, is this... I thought... They just did one, I thought. Well, they, they do actually have a, a couple or three rotating events throughout the year. So this one uh, benefits the, I believe, the Prevent Cancer Foundation and Doctors Without Borders, if I recall correctly. Uh-huh. And they will be streaming all week. So it started uh, today, uh, Sunday, and it'll be going all the way through, I believe, next Saturday. I think they're going to be doing some kind of grand finale next Sunday with uh, with everybody. But uh, pretty much 24 hours. Uh, so you may want to take a look at the schedule, and I want to say that's over at Awesome Games Done Quick. Could be. ABD that sounds games. right. Yeah. Um, they're def- doing Resident Evil Twitch. 3. They're, they're right probably going to be on the front page of, of Twitch all week. So right. they'll have their schedule there. Uh, you can donate to a good cause, watch some people do some amazing, mind blowing things with video games, and uh, generally have a good time. Yeah. No, I only remember hearing about this, I think, last year. It was the first time. That I, that I recall, but it, has it been going on for quite a quite some time? Oh, yeah. Now? It's been going on for probably six or seven years by this point. Oh, really? Wow. Really? Yeah, wow. it's been a long time. But I mean, streaming is, is, is relatively newer than that, though, right? But it's definitely been going on for, for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Okay, huh. cool. Awesome. Well, uh, next up after that, we have. I thought this was a pretty interesting piece of uh, video game business news. Uh, China has, up to this point, had a uh, blanket ban on video game consoles, which um, is, is actually very interesting because if you've ever seen some of the like knockoff consoles that come out of China, that are like the Play Tendo Four, or you know, like the uh-huh. the X Station Three, or you know, just crazy stuff like that. <laughs> and they'll be made up to look like whatever the current console is, but it'll have, uh, and even the font of the logo will be the same, but it'll be you maybe like a couple of words off or a couple of letters off or something. Dale, the thing you have to understand is that the ban has always been on legitimate console platforms. They they can sell yes. as many like uh, Pez dispenser versions of Game Boys, right? Uh, that play LCD Tiger style video games they want. That's and do do you know what the reason for the ban was? Was it like to try to prevent cultural subversion? Or? Yeah, I think. I mean, I'm not sure what the official reason is, but I'm sure that has something to do with it. Uh, I think that. Uh, I mean, I mean, you've probably heard of the the Great Firewall of China. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. uh, basically. Uh, I mean, the, the funny thing is, I was reading in, uh, I want to say, Time Magazine just here in the last couple months even, that they were talking about how uh, there is more or less a Chinese equivalent to just about every major web brand and service that we have everywhere else in the world, and they have their own Chinese version of it. Yeah, there's like a Chinese version of Twitter called, I think, Weibo. Yep, and and the and the actual participation, just the number of users on those services dwarfs. Oh, it's enormous. Uh, yeah. yeah, so... 
Uh, I always thought it was interesting that uh, World of Warcraft had a special China version where they uh, they took out things that are culturally sensitive over there, like I think skeletons and uh, depictions of I think undead in general, things like that. You know, interestingly, uh, I was reading that Pixels, the new terrible Adam Sandler video game movie, uh, apparently had to scrub a bunch of stuff mentioning China uh, to try and appease the Chinese market there as well. So <laughs> the interesting thing to me is I wonder what all of a sudden, uh, I mean, this has actually been something that's been going on for a while. Uh, the Xbox One launched in China about a year ago, according to the Polygon report, which actually sources the Wall Street Journal. Um, and uh, I guess they've kind of been um, asking local governments for proposals there for, for quite a while on how to, I guess, phase in the, the sale of uh, foreign devil video games. <laughs> so. Well, I look forward to pony noobs as they get their games on. You know what? There's probably a Chinese version of Legrand Jolly there who probably will mop the floor with you. <laughs> Have you guys heard his, of... His APMs are amazing. Have you guys heard of the... Uh, I think it was called the Silver Triangle or something at one point where... There, there was this arrangement with China and uh, like the British, uh, the British and the East, the Dutch East India Company, where like the the British would get tea and then they would trade it to the Chinese for silver bullion, or or maybe they were trading it to the Dutch for the bullion, and then then there was like opium involved in this as well, and it was like a big triangle where like you that would, sounds familiar. You would do trade routes or whatever. Let's think it. You know, maybe we should set something up where it's like. You know, Xboxes and Playstations, and we get what do we get from China? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, U.S. dollars. They hold a lot of those. We'll get U.S. dollars <laughs> from China, and so we can sell them things. Is that what you're saying? Manufacturing jobs. No, we're gonna bring. We're gonna repatriate those U.S. dollars. Um, and I, you know, there's got to be a third leg we can work out somewhere too. Well, uh, it may be that the Wii U TV service could still be operating in China. Maybe we can uh, maybe we can pirate that from them because it is going to be ended here in North America uh, beginning next month in August. Uh, the TV service is uh, actually integrated into the Wii U uh, such that it actually has its own button on the thing. There's actually a uh, well, there's a TV button to control your television as a remote control, but then there's the TV app that uh, allows you to check your local listings, and uh, they actually subcontract out another service, and I can't find uh, the name of it, but uh, basically it allows you to doodle little responses, vote on polls on uh, live television events as they happen. Uh, Originally, the service was announced for all territories, but uh, was canceled prior to release in Europe. Uh, back in uh, February. So I wonder, have either of you ever used this service? No, but I would imagine that you have. I have a little bit. Uh, And and it was kind of fun (laughs) to participate uh, when it was on, but it it never really felt like it was super robust. Um, I I believe that the the user base was shared between mobile users and uh, Wii U users. And, uh, I mean, it definitely felt like a portal into some other service. And I doubt that it was ever very widely... Um, widely uh, used, so it's not not super surprising to see it go. Uh, but it is it is kind of uh, interesting because it was um, one of the highly touted features of the console prior to release. Hmm. So kind of interesting. I, I wonder how widespread the use of it was. Uh, well, you could you could sort of get a feel for it. I mean, it, it felt very um, compartmentalized. I mean, it was hard to really find anything that uh, that I would you know see a lot of activity on from especially from Wii U users in particular. So I don't know if it was compartmentalized by your region or by your, you know, zip or, or some sort of uh um 
you know, some other locality, but uh, I sometimes felt like I was, uh, you know, drawing pictures of penises and nobody was there to watch. So, uh, you know. So did you really draw it? I mean, you know, no, you could, you falls could, like, in the forest. Yeah, you could take it. Well, I mean, they, they did allow you to uh, redraw, uh, you know, little screenshots that they would share and then you could draw anything you wanted to. And mm-hmm. as far as I know, it wasn't really closely moderated, but uh yeah, I, I, I wonder whether it did happen. It could have all been just an amazing dream. Uh, another amazing dream that uh, is currently unfolding right before our eyes, uh, Inafune's Mega Man Legend-style Kickstarter, uh, which is uh, Red Ash, uh, has now added a PlayStation 4 stretch goal to uh, finance a PlayStation 4 port. Uh, actually, the Kickstarter still has about a week to go as of the date of this recording, and uh, the... It uh, looks like they've, the stretch goal is for a million dollars. The actual funding goal is $800,000, and it's currently sitting at just under 500000 right now. So they've got about a week to uh, to essentially double their take before we'll see that on the PlayStation 4. What was the original platform? Just PC? Uh, you know, let me see here. I think... Uh, I'm trying to see, but I don't... Yeah, it's a little little tough to tell. Uh, anyway, not on PlayStation 4 in any case, unless you unless you uh, get it I would imagine it was just a million PC dollars. Yeah, PC is probably the easiest place to begin with. Uh, now, if they add a Vita tier to that, you know, we, we could see some activity, we could see some movement there, but uh, <laughs> not sure for now. In fact, at this juncture, I'm wondering if it's actually even going to hit its base funding goal. Yeah, 800,000, I don't know. Yeah, so we'll, we'll have to wait and see yeah, by this I don't time know. next week. It's weird. It's weird how they have two concurrent Kickstarters going. I'm already yeah. putting it as a bullet point on the news for next week, so we'll, we'll yeah. revisit it then. Sounds good. Uh, another item which uh, we'll have to wait and see on is the Street Fighter V uh, beta test, which uh, sort of uh, has become a failure to launch. It uh, released here this past week on uh, next-gen consoles, uh, PlayStation 4, uh, and then PC, and uh, apparently there were a lot of connectivity issues. People couldn't get connected to the game, and uh, ultimately they had to terminate the beta test a little bit prematurely. In fact, it may have only been after just a single day. Um, Are people enraged by this? Oh, yeah, yeah, I think so, but I, I mean, it, it is a beta test, and I think that's, I mean, it's definitely serving its purpose from that standpoint. Because, damn it, they were promised Street Fighter Five today, and they didn't yeah, get Yeah, fully it. featured. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, people who are raging about this are... Dumb. Yeah, no. I mean, you might as well. There's plenty of video games to play. Uh, in fact, I believe sometime later this week, uh, I can't remember if we talked about it last week, but Seth Killian's new game that he's doing. Uh, oh, Rising yeah. Thunder. Rising Thunder? Yep, exactly. It will be coming out this week, so you can probably play that, I assume. Rising I Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> I th- in fact, I think I think everybody on the show signed up for it. I think all, all four of us yeah, yeah. did. And uh, so maybe we'll even... Uh, that sounds cool. It sounds like a really good idea. Yeah, well, I, I think I one of his uh, one of his overarching uh, goals, I think, with that game is to try and bring down some of the real um, uh, some of some of the real learning barriers. Yeah, the accessibility to, stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. To, bring uh, it down to the core, games. like fighting concepts. Of fighting yeah, because games. I mean, it's it's one thing to to see other people. I mean, Evo was a couple of weeks ago, and it, and it really is amazing to see people get beyond the mechanics into just the real mind games of it, and the right. you know the outguessing your guess and uh, and that sort of thing, and to to be able to bring other people in and more or less average people uh, or people like us uh, to to be able to get to that level would would really be something neat to see. It kind of seems to me like a sort of parallel to what Blizzard has done with. Heroes of the Storm, as kind of trying to make a, a Dota for you know anybody who can kind of jump in, and, and you don't or have Hearthstone to. Hearthstone compared to Magic or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So I mean, I, I 
it could be very successful, if not, you know, in terms of drawing a huge audience, but a, as just a, an idea, you know. Well, part of what made me think about it is I, I think there's been some sort of uh, backbiting from the fighting game community that, oh, it's not going to be a real fighting game or, oh. oh, it's on PC or, oh, it's free to play. Um, that's kind of what made me think of it. As far as the uh, Street Fighter V beta, though, it has, uh, according to Capcom, they will be extending the time period once they get those issues sorted, sorted out. So uh, we will be seeing that again. Cool. Uh, next down the list, uh, Kojima, uh, Hideo Kojima, still has plans to work with Guillermo del Toro uh, on some new project at some point. According to an interview with IGN, uh, del Toro said that he loves working with Kojima-san. They're still in touch. They're still friends and working into doing something together, but it's not going to be Silent Hills. Hmm. Um, frankly, I would be thrilled if they could just find some way to get Silent Hills to stop telling me every time I turn on my PlayStation 4 that it cannot be downloaded. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> you mis- mean PT? Yeah, PT, I'm sorry. Uh, so, Mr. Del Toro, uh, Mr. Kojima, please, for the love of God, uh, fix my PlayStation 4. Sound, sounds like they're really going to keep us waiting, huh? <laughs> Metal Gear? Metal Gear. Metal Gear. Uh, and then very last here, uh, we have an expansion for Hearthstone, which uh, recently uh, had some news come out. And according to the uh, Hearthstone page on Blizzard.net, uh, the Grand Tournament, Hearthstone's second expansion, is about to make its triumphant debut with 132 new cards, uh, a new uh, tournament, uh, I guess a new tournament mode that they're going to be launching. And, I, heard, uh, I heard that it was there was not a new tournament mode. That's what I also heard. Well, according to the Battle.net, a tournament for the ages commencing in August for Windows, that don't Mac, mean... iOS, so, and Android. Let me give you some history. The Grand Tournament is a in the uh, second or the first well, second expansion, Wrath of the Lich King. Uh, during that expansion, they opened up a tournament area in Northrend, um, up in the Ice Crown area, and. There was like a whole bunch of daily quests you could do up there, and this is hearkening back to that, where that tournament's now over because nobody's fighting the Lich King anymore, but now there's this goofy card game tournament going on. So I don't think it's actually a mode, but it's just kind of playing off of that. It's, the, it's themed that way. But yeah, right. yeah, that's what I'd heard was that there was actually some people were upset because um, I guess there's been some call for an actual tournament mode to be added to Hearthstone, and, and that's not in there, and it's not being added with the update called the Grand Tournament. <laughs> Which is funny. Right, yeah. People's kind of laughing about that. Um, But wait, there's more. A jovial new board. A festive new game board on which to do battle. (laughs) Uh, You'll be able to find all of the appropriate amenities to ensure that your tournament experience is a pleasant one. Nice. They're they're adding a um, a new keyword for your minions called Inspire. So up to now, there's been various keywords like Battle Cry and Death Rattle that was added um, and kind of played on during the Nox Ramas. Um, single player stuff, but they're adding Inspire, which is a which activates on a card when you use your hero power. So each of the different heroes have their own little hero power they can use for two mana every turn if they want, um, and that will actually inspire these cards with the Inspire keyword to do something. Um, so they're also adding a legendary. Um, I hear there's I heard they were adding legendary spells uh, spells, um, which is interesting because legendary cards are difficult to come by unless you have a lot of money um or get really really lucky um yeah so we'll see how that works with yeah the- with hearthstone I've, I've fallen off of hearthstone um a couple of months ago i, I just kind of stopped playing it 
And now, uh, or you know, it was even before the Goblins mechanical um, expansion or whatever. Goblins trying to go back to it now, it's just like, man, I. It seems a little bit daunting because now there's probably I think four separate card sets, and I don't have a complete, you know, of any of them. And it's like, yeah. They they've done a lot of cool things to kind of help people to get cards. So I still play actively. Mm-hmm. So. For whatever reason, whenever I go on a trip anywhere, I play Hearthstone, and that's basically the only game I end up playing, despite taking my Vita and my 3DS. And so I played played a lot of Hearthstone, and they added a new mode recently called um, Tavern Brawl, uh, which is, um, it changes, so every week there's a new Tavern Brawl with these weird, wacky rules um, that you can just play. And when you win, you get a free card, uh, a card pack. Um, so it's a way to get easy card packs. They also add different quests in, like daily quest to like spectate and when you spectate somebody and you watch somebody win you earn a card pack um so they're doing a lot of things to kind of help people who are just starting out to eat more easily and quickly get um, yeah, cards. because cool. i agree with you that if you haven't played for a while and you haven't got any of the goblins versus gnomes cards and you try to get in right now there's no way you're is this the third discrete card set so they did uh so the original they did then they did the noxramus single player stuff which added a bunch of cards but you can't um, buy packs of, of Noxramus. Yeah, you can't buy. You basically buy Noxramus, play through it, and you have all the cards from Noxramus. Um, and then they added Goblins versus Gnomes, which was like this—a a whole expansion uh, with 132 cards again, the same number. And then they did uh, Black Rock Mountain, which was similar to Noxramus, where it was a single-player right. thing that you earned the cards. Huh. And so everybody has. Everybody who's bought those has. All so I guess the the rhythm with Hearthstone expansions is going to be like card set. Uh, adventure mode, card thing. set, adventure mode, so that sort of thing. Yeah, and I really like the adventure mode. They're, they're Those, yeah, the, the next stuff was was you know fun and interesting. I didn't do the Black Rock either, but yeah, yeah, Black Rock was good. And it kind of had a whole heavy thing on dragons, which uh, well, Noxramus had a big focus on death rattle. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's cool that they as they add these new as they add these new. Um, you know, keywords and different things and strategies to the game. It really changes the way that the game is played and kind of opens up the ability to create more varied decks and more focused decks. And you get a, a bigger variety of the decks that are actually played by people. So it's kind of cool. Um, cool. So. I haven't really played since the closed beta. So maybe uh, maybe I can spectate and get some, some cards or something. It's fun. And they're doing a, a promo where if you buy um, 40... So normally you can buy 40 packs of cards for $50. So right now they're doing it if you can buy 50 packs of cars for $50. So you get 10 free packs at that. So that's kind of the way you buy the expansion is by putting that money into it. And they, and they got to be making money hand over fist. Oh, man. Game, man. It, you got to be making oh, a man. ton of money because I, I've put money into it. Um, yeah, I, I've spent quite probably, a bit. Uh, probably 20 bucks or so since since I got into the beta or whenever that was. I, I probably, you know, over the lifetime that I played the game, I probably spent 20 bucks. I probably spent maybe. Wait, no, I spent twenty just on the Nax Ramus so. thing. Oh yeah, plus yeah, that. yeah. So I, I so I've probably spent forty on yeah. those two things, <laughs> plus another probably sixty or so on regular card packs. Um, so I probably spent a hundred bucks in the game, and I'll, I'll I plan on probably spending fifty dollars to buy fifty packs for this. Oh man, it is still a game that I continue to play like regularly. So I think you guys um, just talked me out of it. I yeah, d- Jeremy, you don't. <laughs> do you really need an, another infinite time sink in your life? No. No, I yeah. really don't. I really I don't, don't. either. That's why I uninstalled it. Uh, 
Yeah, well, anyway. And as far as Infinite Times things go, that is all the news that is fit to print for your Game Bytes show this week. So we will move it along to new releases. Legrand, what is coming up I'm going to whip week? through them so we can get to our topics. I'd rather put some time into that. Sure. So, uh, tech-gaming.com. Go, should you go there to look at the new release? That's where we get them from. Uh, King's Quest Chapter 1. So this is the new King's Quest game released yes. by... Is it Sierra? Sierra yes, it is. Well, it's Activision now using the Sierra label, which they've right. uh, they revived. So they also did, remember, uh, a couple weeks ago we talked about the new uh, Geometry Wars. That's right. Right. Yep. So this is the new, uh, the first um, in, I guess it's going to be a uh, episodic game. So this is Chapter 1, A Night to Remember, Night being uh, K-Night. Um, anyway, so there's that coming out for basically everything. I, I think I'm going to pick that up and play it because I, uh, I kind of want to play it. Yeah, big King's Quest um, fan here. Anyway, uh, Sword Art Online Re colon Hollow Fragment. Yeah, I, I, I added this one because I, I played it on Vita. This is actually a re-release on consoles for a uh, sort of vaguely MMO-esque single-player game based on the hit anime. Is, is this a hunter Sword game? Art Online. Like a uh, no, no, not really. No, in fact, it, it one of the things I will say. So it's it's actually not very good. Um, the writing is terrible. The anime stuff is just really bad. Um, but one thing that I will give this game credit for is that it doesn't do a terrible job of recreating the conventions and the interface of an MMO uh, for a single-player game. So it's kind of interesting in that respect, and if you are a fan of the show, you may want to try this, but uh, generally I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put too much faith in Sword Art Online. All right. Uh, next up, uh, Dragon Fantasy, the volumes of Westeria yeah. in the eShop. I added I this one also. Is. Yeah, this uh, is actually a sort of Final Fantasy. So Dragon Fantasy is like Dragon Warrior Fantasy Final Fantasy, and it is a very uh, well-done homage uh, in sort of comedy form to the original Final Fantasy, so the very first game. So this is actually a compilation of two games, uh, which uh, book one and book two of the Dragon Fantasy series. The first game was sort of notable for being a Final Fantasy I uh, kind of spiritual successor, but it also had the ability to kind of switch back and forth between an 8-bit and a 16-bit graphic and musical aesthetic. Uh, the second book was very much a Chrono Trigger homage. In fact, I actually stopped playing that game because I could recognize that it was so Chrono Triggery, and I had never played Chrono Trigger at that wow. point, so I actually stopped playing that to huh. go figure out what the Chrono Trigger love was all about, and it was actually quite good. Uh, but I, I enjoyed uh, both of those games, Book 1 and Book 2, and they're now making their debut on Nintendo platforms on the 3DS cool. eShop. Next up, uh, The Binding of Isaac Rebirth is coming out on the 3DS, so if you're a Binding of Isaac dude and you don't have a Vita, uh, you can get your portable Binding of Isaac on with a 3DS. This actually wor only works on the new 3DS, so there you go, 15 I did not know that. Uh, next up, uh, 3D Streets of Rage 2 for the eShop. Heck yeah. Uh, yeah, who doesn't love some Streets of Rage? 3D as in, like, the visual effect, or 3D as in polygon? Yeah, when they do the... No, when they do the remakes, they add... Well, I mean, it's stereoscopic 3D. It's more like depth. It's yeah. like depth to and, the... And it's, you know, it's kind of gimmicky or whatever, but I like 3D, and it actually ends up looking really good on all the games that so I So it's not a junky, like, PSX remake? No, of, no, okay. no. It is not It is not 3D as in polygons. Yeah. It is 3D as in stereoscopic cool. 3D. Yeah. Uh, Five Nights at Freddy number four... Um, there you go. If you like those games, yeah, I have this a, on here. It's a big deal. I actually deal. have I have the second one installed right now because my son like begged me to install it, and somehow I had it. I don't know how, but I did. But uh, anyway, there it is, the fourth one. I don't know what's different about them. They all look the same to me. 
And uh, Dale added Way of the Samurai 4. Yeah, um, yeah, so, so Way of the Samurai, um, this, the fourth one, obviously, by the title. Um, but Way of the Samurai is done by the Japanese studio called Acquire, whom you might know from such series as Tenchu. And, uh, a stealth assassin. Yeah, and uh, as well as a few other things. Uh, they did Tenchu. I, I want to say they were the original developers of Tenchu 1 and 2. Uh, like the game games. that was, Tenchu was later taken over by From Software. And I don't think they were actually as good after From got a hold of them. So stick that in your pipe and smoke it, souls people. Um, they're also, uh, they, I, I know them personally from the, uh, what, what did I do to deserve this, my lord? Series, which was originally right, uh, Holy Invasion of Pri- yeah, yeah, exactly, Holy Invasion of Privacy, Badman, uh, and I believe they've also done a little bit of work in the Wizard. They, so this is their, I guess, third game uh, to appear on Steam. Um, uh, Way of the Samurai Four, along with Akiba's Trip, uh, Undead, and Undressed, which sounds interesting, <laughs> and Clan of Champions, which sounds like it's probably garbage. But who knows? But but so the thing about Way of the Samurai is that I played the first one of those on PS2, like a long time ago, and um, it was one of those games that um, was I thought was actually really cool. It it sort of played a lot, kind of like the original, um, or maybe the first couple of Onimusha games, if you ever played those, where it was like you're controlling a guy on a, on a static background, you know, like the old Resident Evil type of games and stuff. Right. Um, but you're playing like a samurai warrior, or I, I don't remember exactly how it was, but I remember there being multiple people that you played as. Uh, one of the guys in the first game was like this, like African. Japanese guy, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> he was a black guy with an afro <laughs> who was a samurai. <laughs> um, and I just thought it was a really cool game because, like, you would run into situations where you would have dialogues and what you chose in the dialogue would determine whether you fought a guy or not. Uh, and I was playing it in Japanese and it was fairly high-level Japanese and, and I wasn't quite to the point where I was really understanding everything about it, but I did think it was pretty cool. And if you've played those games or seen them or been curious about them, um, you know, this one being on Steam now for, I think, 20 bucks is probably, you could probably do worse. Uh, just one more shout-out to Acquire for Patchwork Heroes on the PSP, which was the uh, very quirky little airship sawing apart game uh, that I'll never have a chance to talk about again, so I'll just mention it now. Hmm. Yeah, i never heard of that one. It's a good one. Cool, and those are your new releases uh, for the week. Um, head over to tech-gaming.com for the rest of the schlop, but uh, that's what we picked to talk about today. Excellent. Um, I think we'll ask Dale to queue up our topic. We've uh, kind of were discussing something before the yeah. show, and um, so yeah. so what I wanted to kind of hit on this week is just something I thought was sort of interesting. Uh, the the idea of um, very long after the fact support for a game. Uh, over the last week, there was news that uh, Kotor two, the I think it was probably two thousand five or two thousand six when that was released, or if if not earlier. Uh, by Obsidian, it was the a little bit earlier than that. The huh? follow up to the you know the classic Bioware Knights of the Old Republic. Um, this game came out, and at the time, it was pretty broken. It was in a pretty bad state. It was missing a whole lot of content. Um, but like a lot of Obsidian games, it was a an RPG with a heart of gold, right? It was had a lot of good stuff in it, and had a nevertheless, it had a cult following of very dedicated people who some of who went on to actually go into modding and restore a bunch of content to the game. Um, 
And a lot of that is actually included now with the recent patch that was, I, I guess, done by Aspire, um, the publisher Aspire Media, who have also, uh, along with updating it and restoring a lot of content that, that uh, fan modders and, and things have gotten around to in recent years, they've also gone ahead and ported it to Mac and Linux. So um, <clears throat> it just... That's pretty significant. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a pretty... They had a Steam achievements and Steam... Right. Save support, I think, and all that stuff. Yeah, Steam, Steam Cloud, Cloud Steam modding. Controller support with, you know. Yeah, which, I mean, this is all well above and beyond the the, the typical treatment that uh, publishers give to their... Um, and, you know, maybe that's maybe that's it. Maybe it wasn't... Because uh, who would have published this to begin with? Would it have been EA, maybe? LucasArts. LucasArts? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, just, I, uh, I, I was thinking Bioware for Knights of the Old Republic. But, yeah, I guess it would have been LucasArts, wouldn't it? But anyway, I mean, LucasArts went away a couple of years ago. They're deader than than Darth Vader at this point. Um, There's just a label, I think. <laughs> but so apparently, Aspire was working through Disney to yeah, Disney owns all <clears> that. Yeah, now, huh? yeah, and I guess Disney is a little bit more interested in helping people maintain the um, the historical significance. Well, people, and stuff. people weren't really sure at first, but uh, I think they there was a lot of interest in their back catalog. So uh, we talked uh, at some point in the past about how uh, uh, Sony had had gone to them and, and eventually acquired the uh, the right to publish uh, or, or to host, I guess, uh, games like Grim Fandango. Uh, they're going to be doing Day of the Tentacle also on you know for console exclusivity. Uh, one of my favorite games of all time, in fact, I believe to date my favorite FPS of all time, Tron 2.0, saw release on Steam uh, last year. I want to say yeah. so. Uh, where where people weren't really sure what to make of Disney, they were a little bit of a wild card as far as what they were going to do with that pretty extensive back library. They have uh, so far not been doing too bad as as far as bringing some of that stuff back out. The things that people wanted to see. That sounds like it. Canon, that's that's really cool. And not only that, but. Um, don't forget, a few months ago, uh, there was the release of the X-Wing and TIE Fighter games on, on GOG oh, and yeah. Steam. On GOG yeah. and Steam, that's right. Um, you know, along with, you know, who, who knows what other old goodies are going to resurface from this. But, uh, yeah, I just I just think that's really cool. That one Nintendo 64 game. Shadows What's of the Empire? With, yeah, uh, that one. Dash Rendar? Dash Rendar. Yeah. Dash Rendar, yep. And Shizor. <laughs> The sexy green lizard. Uh, I, but I just love the idea that uh, that you can go back and and refresh a game that's as old as as this is. Um, I mean, we saw Blizzard has even very recently done more support for Diablo two of all the games, uh, resetting the ladder, and and I think there was even a patch maybe a few months ago. Uh, I know there was a Diablo 2 patch a year or so ago. Um, I think there may have been uh-huh. another since then, actually, too. So, I mean, it's just the idea that they there's continued support for these, um, you know, you might call them legacy titles, um, or at the very least, you know, very, very back catalog, is really cool. Um, I think it's made a lot easier on the PC since you have that sort of continuity of, of platform, the OS. I'd like to see more of right. this on consoles as well. I, 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 we talked about this some a week or two ago uh, with Nintendo and how they could do a lot more to to support this idea with through the virtual console. But, I mean, it's getting to the point where Sony and Microsoft also have fairly long um, rear view windows, you know, reflections in the rear view mirror or whatever. Um, let me let me throw something out to you though. I mean, you mentioned that PC is a good platform for this, but it's kind of funny that that uh, this topic came up because it occurred to me right now there's a pretty decent sale going on over at the Google Play Store 
which, you know, they, they do sales from time to time, but it sort of struck me this time because they have things like Tomb Raider. The original Tomb Raider uh-huh. is uh, is 10 cents. I mean, by the time you listen to this, the sale's probably over, so hopefully you got in on it. But uh, the uh, original Tomb Raider is 10 cents. Uh, the new DuckTales remastered game, 99 cents. Um, wow. You know, not not uh, going back too far, but Limbo, uh, 99 cents. Need for Speed Most Wanted, uh, which I'm sure is not the full, you know, console experience, but but that's on there. Uh, the Game of Thrones Telltale game, uh, Valiant Hearts, uh, the Ubisoft World War I, uh, uh, I guess, adventure-style game, Grand Theft Auto Chinatown Wars. Uh, I was wanting to play of, that. Yeah, all, all of these are on there. Now, some, some of that is episodic, so be careful about some of the pricing on that. I mean, I'm sure the pricing for Game of Thrones is going to be the first episode, but, you know, at least gets you in the door. Uh, and then uh, another thing that came out uh, this past week, and, and actually it wasn't on our release list, so I don't know if it showed up last week or if we just missed it, but the, the Gabriel Knight remake that Phoenix Online Studios uh-huh. did, so kind of, a, again, back to the Sierra thing, they released the mobile version of that, and I finally convinced my wife to, I've been telling her ever since it came out, like, oh, I think you'd really like this game. She was into True Blood and some of those kinds of things, and I I said, you know, you, you might really like Gabriel Knight. It was a game that I played myself uh, way back in the day, and that now was on mobile. And I, I started finding, I mean, I've just kind of been noticing uh, games that were from maybe the PlayStation 2 era, maybe, maybe a little bit before then, uh, showing up on mobile. And I know that control is always an issue, but uh, it's not that big a deal. I mean, especially if you can hook up a, a controller of some kind to your to your device. Um, but, but I wonder if there's a, a longer life to be lived in the mobile space for some of these games. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, where, wherever they choose to bring it, as, yeah, as long as it, the port is done well and you can find a control scheme that works, I, I'm all for the, um, you know, mining of of past uh, works of of art in video games, right? NBA Jam for sixty cents. It's probably the new one, though. I don't think it's the the older stuff. But uh, anyhow, so I, I thought that was. I, a... I played the NBA Jam on the on the iOS. I think I played it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, what's a, what's a game from you know maybe last gen or, or you know the previous gen before that that you would like to see still maintained or or maybe have a, a nice fat patch from the uh, developer to restore it to glory or to make it sort of modernized? Oh man, tons of them, tons of them. Just choose um, one. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> um, I mean, the, the thing is, there are a lot of games that I think would would lend themselves well to to a mobile interface. I mean, RPGs, for example. I mean, PlayStation 2 had tons of... of... PlayStation 1 as well. I mean, that, I, the most most of the game types I played on PlayStation 1 were RPGs. You know, I, I played a ton of, you know, Wild Arms and... How about, how about... So, for a long time, I've been holding my breath for Square Enix to release Final Fantasy XII HD... Oh, uh, the international job system. That's what I want. Yeah, what if that came... I mean, if it came to mobile, I'd be a little bit disappointed, but I'd take it. I'd go for it. That would be hard to play, play on that. mobile. Uh, you think it would be hard to play or not? I hard? think it would be hard to play on mobile. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, especially with the Gambit system, the fighting system in that, where you would basically have the AI... You'd, you'd give them sort of pre-programmable priorities. Uh, you wouldn't be, you know, shuffling through a lot of menus even during fighting. You could take over when you wanted to. The only thing you'd really have to deal with would be the, you know, the 3D world navigation just running around and getting from place to place. It doesn't seem like it would be that bad. So that gets my vote, Final Fantasy XII. Final I Fantasy would like to 12. see that game, um, like I said, a nice fat patch. I would like, uh, really like to see it in HD, too, because that, that was a pretty nice-looking game, even on the, the PS2. Um, yeah, my second favorite Final Fantasy game of all. I really like that one, too. I think it's probably in my top three or four Final Fantasies, for sure. I never finished it. Was it good? It was really good. I mean, it's basically Star Wars 
in Final Fantasy. But I want to so. see I want to see the version of that that basically basically parallels this Kotor two thing where fans get able are able to go into the source code and restore things to the way that that game the the vision that uh, um, Yasumi Matsuno had for that game originally, which was you know some of the characters had roles switched around and things like that that. Are, are there other games out that kind of had that that amount of content like held back that we know about? Um, mm. I know that it was always kind of known that Kotor Two was kind of broken and was missing a bunch of stuff. Well, the other um, thing too is that's kind of a unique situation too, where anybody who was originally involved on it has long since moved on, and I'm not sure the arrangement that the um, you know that this fan I, I, is, is it a fan group or are they actual legitimate developers? I mean, they must have been. Well, so the so the developers kind of. Aspire, kind of took um, they, they basically uh, what's the word they collated a bunch of work that had been done by fan modders and probably sort of brought it up to some sort of standard in, in terms of coding yeah so I feel like in that particular case there may have been a, a sort of unique situation there that maybe allowed that to come to pass I, I don't really see a publisher like Square Enix giving that over to it, it looks like they also did the Mac port of uh, KOTOR 1 um Aspire games yeah. or whatever. You know, I, I just they, thought... But they worked on Borderlands, the, the pre-sequel. They worked on Civ V um, for Mac. So they've, they've done some... I just thought of a... As far um, as that goes. A really good uh, candidate uh, trio of games, the Stalker series. Uh, oh, yeah. Those those actually have some really extensive and really good mods that, that you know, fan modders have done. Uh, I think it'd be really cool to... I mean, because they were published by... THQ and developed by um, a studio that is is no longer, but um, it would be really cool to see those actually have a, like an official patch that incorporated some of the ideas that that modders put into them and fixed a lot of bugs and restored a lot of content because those those games do fall into that sort of same category as as Kotor too. There's a lot of those games, those games on PC that were like really really moddable, like even like the Bethesda games, like Oblivion yeah. and. Um, you know, Morrowind and all those games that had tons of mods released for them. It'd be awesome. Well, all those games are still very playable on PC. Mm-hmm. It would be cool to see, like, you know, to your point, to see even those games. And I was a huge fan of, you know, Oblivion and Skyrim and, you know, even like Fallout 3 or whatever. But to take all those great mods that have cropped up over the years and, you know, make a, a awesome addition with all that stuff incorporated and, you know, credit the modders and say, hey, now this is now our official version. That's um, Baldur's Gate uh, 1 and 2, as well as Icewind Dale, have been given that treatment by Beamdog. Yeah, uh, the enhanced editions for those games. They came out on iOS? Yeah, they did. That's the one. I I played through the entirety of uh, Baldur's Gate enhanced edition, um, and I even played the... I played the iOS version of that as well. I did the the black pits add on like arena dungeon campaign thing. Um, was it good? Yeah, it was good. It was, it was all good. I had a great time with, with Baldur's Gate. It was the first time I'd played it. I played a bit of Baldur's Gate. I wouldn't mind poking back at it though. Yeah, it was, it was awesome for sure. Uh, but yeah, just overall, I think, um, games need to, especially the good ones should be supported and try to, you know, try to have them brought forth to, the, the latest and greatest in hardware where possible. What, what, what do you think are the benefits that um, the publishers gain or the developers? I mean, so KOTOR, cool. It's got a, this big fat patch. Obviously somebody put a lot of money into it or put some you know time and money into it. What is the benefit that is gained? Do you think on something like that? Um, 
receiving this type of treatment? Well, I mean, there's there's the obvious thing. Like, if you have another game in that series coming up in six months, it would be good to spruce up the back catalog to let fans catch up on that. Um, otherwise, it's just kind of... I would just file it under, you know, sort of responsible back catalog keeping, you know? I mean... Yeah, you got to wonder if it if it really moves the needle, and and you know the other thing too is when we talked about this, I think on our on our last uh, topic as well, is that not all of that old material is is really still available for that That's kind true. of of manicuring. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm sure there, even though it seems like well, you've already got the game. I mean, there are probably some costs to you know to associate with that, and especially if you farm it out. Well, either way, whether you do it in house or whether you farm it out, I, I think there's definitely some factor to consider there about what it's going to cost you versus what the benefits are uh i'm, I'm not sure if uh you know n- sales are going to see any sort of uptick for for knights of the old republic and in fact uh, i don't even own it I've never yeah well it. well i was wondering though is is this update has it been made to previous uh i mean if you had it on in your steam library before is that something that this yeah, it's is? Just a i patch. don't think it's a new game i think it's, it's just, just an a upgrade yeah. update they added steam play and steam works and yeah, they have a whole. Uh, looking at it right now, but they have a whole. They're not um, selling it as a separate version or anything like that. Right, right, right. So it would be just a kind of. They added update. achievements to it, like Steam achievements, controller support. It's got you know, native widescreen. You've got to think that the, it, to some degree, yeah. this was maybe just a passion project for Aspire, right? Yeah, and I think that's neat when when a a publisher will allow people to, you know, to to participate in that way. Um, sort of on their behalf or by proxy, yeah. I guess. It's not something that a lot of companies are really comfortable yeah. with, but uh, but it is pretty neat when it happens. And speaking of comfort, it seems like a pretty comfortable place to end the show for this week. As always, we appreciate you listening. You can find us twice a week on this podcast, RSS, or on your iTunes. We record not only at the top of the week, as we have tonight, but in the midweek to talk about the games that we have been playing. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter. Collectively, the show is at Show. You can find me at Jeremy underscore Lamont. You can find me at Legrand. I'm at uh, Goku Rules. Goku rules. <laughs> no, not really. Uh, at count underscore Elmdor. I've just been watching a lot of uh, Goku rules XX69. Just been loving, X- I've just been watching a lot of Dragon Ball, is all. Beast mode. Uh, no, but of course you can also find our compatriot Jared Redeye Dunn at R-E-D underscore I. He's in charge of our Twitch streams weekly. Actually, just check out our website, GameBitesShow.com and you can find all of this and so much more. Uh, or maybe at least one more thing. I maybe Instagram. Uh, Goku Rules exists on Twitter. It's there. You guys probably got more followers on Twitter than we do. So anyway, follow us on Twitter. uh, Check out our show. Check out our streams. Uh, We look forward to seeing you next week and every week on the Game Bite Show. Until then, we appreciate you listening, and we will see you next time. Thanks. Goku Rules. Goku Rules.